Welcome to the Powerful Love Podcast, where the love of God meets the power of God. We believe that the Word of God is truly powerful, and we want to provide teachings that challenge you to believe in more and for more. Stay tuned every week for a new episode uploaded. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us again. So we're going to continue on with our giftings, callings, and anointings teaching. And today we're going to be talking about the purpose of the gifts. And again, I just want to reiterate that every single person, every single believer has a God-ordained purpose. God has specifically, when he still knew you or yet knew you in your mother's womb, he had a design and a plan and a purpose created for you specifically as a believer in him. And so with this series, we're, I'm praying and I know that God is going to use it to help you find who you are, not just uh, a child of God in Christ, but also a child who works in Christ as well. Give you um, something to put your hands to, something to give you purpose and, and um, fulfillment in. Um, even though we are full in Christ, we are filled with Christ by His Spirit, there are still things that we need to do on this earth. And in order to find out who we are in Jesus, we need to know who, who He has designed us, who God has designed us in Christ as well. And so that's what we're praying that this series does, the gifts, callings, and anointings, helps you find your place, your purpose, your God-ordained destiny in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so today, like I said, we're going to be talking about the purpose of the gifts. Now, to begin with, I want to lay down some some quick understanding, some quick foundation, is that there is one singular foundation that all things Christian-wise, Christian um, spiritual-wise, however you want to put it, is done, and that is upon Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Everything is built off of that one singular person, that one singular truth, that one singular revelation, Jesus Christ. Him, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and his ascension, that he came in the flesh. All these things are part of the foundation aspect of who Jesus is. Now, along with that, though, on that foundation, the foundation itself is created by, um, we, we're going to call them bricks, but they are built by uh, stones. They are formed not by just one singular, in our modern terms, uh, a concrete slab, if you will, but it's actually um, in the context and in the culture of when this verse is written, it's actually talking about two big boulders being rubbed together in such a way that they form a seamless, compact um, unison is how a foundation was created. And so inside of this foundation of Jesus Christ, he is the overall foundation. Inside of that foundation, though, we have, quote-unquote, what we're going to call bricks. And these bricks are where we find our specific purposes. And we'll sort of just uh, look back upon, or we'll, we'll take the broad foundation of Jesus Christ and we will look intricately inside of him if you will and find our purpose the more that we look into Jesus the more and more specific we'll find our true purpose in him the foundation of Christ itself is based off of two statements found in 2 Timothy 2 verse 19 these two statements reveal to us what the foundation actually is inside of Christ so 2 Timothy 2 verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. Two statements. 
The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So this right here, inside of the overall foundation of Jesus Christ, we have these two statements that hold that foundation together. The first one revealing to us that the gifts are purposed upon yours and mine identity in Christ. That is part of the foundation of Christ. When we look into Jesus, we will look and see who we are. The Lord knows those who are His. That is what we will find when we look into Jesus. We will find Jesus, but not only will we find Him, we will find out who we really are. Amen? And the second uh, statement that holds the foundation together is, Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And in response to the gifts, or in regards to the gifts, this is revealing to us that one of the purposes of the gifts is that it will lead us, guide us, and reveal within us the holiness of Christ, which causes us to forsake iniquity, forsake sin, forsake transgressions, forsake temptations, all that type of stuff. So one of the key things that when it comes to the gifts... No matter which category we're talking about, whether the gifts of God, the gifts of Christ, the gifts of the Spirit, all of them in their true essence will cause us to want to steer away from sin and find out who we are in Christ by steering away from sin. Amen. All things are built upon Jesus and meant to reveal Jesus. And the more that Jesus is revealed, the less we will simply desire to sin. That's the simple fact of it. When we talk about holiness, we're not talking about rules and regulations. When we talk about holiness, we're talking about a deep impact of seeing Jesus to such a degree that you no longer even desire sin. That's the true statement of what uh, the new covenant holiness aspect is. You already have holiness inside of you. You just have to see it in Christ in order to actually have a purpose to be holy. Amen. That's a whole other teaching, but we'll <laughs> we'll uh, stop for, for, uh, for now from there. So at the same time, we learn who we are by exalting Jesus. And as we exalt him, we live holy lives. As we exalt him, that's that's what happens. Another way to put it is that as we seek to re reveal Jesus, he himself seeks to reveal who we are in him. As you function in the gifts and the callings, you will see more of who God made you to be and what he wants you to flee. As you seek God, as you seek more of him, more of Jesus inside of you, he will also reveal himself to you, and he'll reveal who you are in him. And that right there will make you want to flee all sins. Amen. So let's talk about the specific purposes, if you will, the bricks that we're going to be talking about in regards to all three categories of the giftings that we'll be talking about. The first Corinthians 12 gifts, gifts of the Spirit, for Romans 12 gifts, uh, gifts of God, and the Ephesians 4 gifts, the gifts of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, that's the first place I want us to look at. And we've talked about this once before, but I want us to actually see it with our own eyes, the uh, three categories of giftings, and we'll actually see some of just the key things that Paul points out in regards to all the gifts themselves. So let's start out at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, and we'll read through uh, verse 6. So now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So right there, Paul goes ahead and he lays out this simple um, understanding in regards to all the gifts. Is that anybody speaking by a gift of God, a gift of Christ, a gift of the Holy Spirit, cannot call Jesus accursed. They cannot, 
The gift itself, as we talked about, is founded upon Jesus Christ. That is its its purpose, is on Jesus. So it will not forsake Jesus. It will not um, belittle Jesus. It will not take away any of his deity, any of his humanity. It will always reveal more and more and more of him. And at the same time, no one can talk about Jesus' lordship, or no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can confess Christ as Lord of their life except by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit's um, presence upon a sinner and a believer as well. And so the next couple of verses also help us get another idea of the three categories as well. So let's start in verse 4. So there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. These are the gifts of the Spirit that are here in 1 Corinthians 12. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. This is the office gifts of Ephesians 4. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. These activities are the Romans 12 gifts, or the grace gifts, the ministry gifts of God. And each one of these areas have a designed purpose in them and as we will as we continue on in this series i will try to talk about this every every single time is the impact of unity that the gifts bring to each member of the body of christ and the body of christ as a whole all the gifts every single one of them function to bring unity in some way in some fashion in some form that is their ultimate purpose is to bring unity to the faith, unity to Christ, unity to the body. And it is so, so powerful and so wonderful when we see this happen. So in the rest of 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to be, let's talk about those first, the uh, gifts of the Spirit or the manifestations of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 12 through 31 covers the unity among the believers in their diverse giftings. Then in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, well, the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, which we quote-unquote call the love chapter, and also in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, Paul tells us to love, pursue love, and desire spiritual uh, desire spiritual gifts, to desire the spiritual um, things that bring further spirituality, if you will. And so this helps us see the outgoing purpose of the gifts. When we ourselves as an individual operate in the gifts, we are actually creating atmospheres of love and um, uh, instances or opportunities for unity. Any gift that does not unify or show the love of God has either lost its purpose or is not actually a gift from God. Sometimes we can get so... Um, moving in a gift that we forget its true purpose and thereby uh, losing its power, if you will, of what it's supposed to be doing. The gifts are also always referenced to believers for believers. Yet we do know they can be used to show God to an unbeliever in the instance of 1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. A lot of people want to take all the gifts of the Spirit, all the gifts of Christ, and all the ministry gifts of God and try to take them outside of the church. Now, while they are supposed to impact the world, their true function is in the church. This is something that we have to reiterate again and again in the body of Christ, is that the gifts are for the church. There is can be no true unity in the body of Christ until the gifts are in operation, are welcomed, are equipped, are um, designed to, to just uplift and build the church. Once the church is built, then the world will take notice. 
then the world will want to come into the doors. Then the world will want to come into the fellowships and all this type of stuff. But it only comes when the church is unified. I remember years ago hearing the Lord just simply say that an attractive bride will... Um, that an attractive bride is what he's looking for. The church is supposed to be so attractive to the world that they have no other desire but to run to her. And a unattractive church causes people to steer away. Not because of programs, not because of a lack of worship or a lack of this or a lack of that, but a lack of unity is the sole reason that a church looks quote-unquote ugly or a church looks quote-unquote attractive, if you will. And so there's supposed to be this wooing desire to the world when they look at the church. And if they are looking at the church and they don't see that wooing or they don't feel that wooing, it's because the church ourselves has lost the sense of unity and love amongst the members. Well, Paul talks about this so many times in his epistles about the backbiting, the um, devouring even. In Galatians, he talks about you are devouring each other. And that right there causes the world to look at the church and see this disunity, this disgusting thing that is not bringing any everlasting change to the world. And so we have to recognize that the gifts of God are what create unity in the church. It is when we are in operation of our purpose and our destiny in Christ that we will start to honor each other and honor each other's giftings so that we can bring unity. And the, with the church can... Uh, the best way to put it is the church can actually look good. We can actually look like we um, um, have our stuff together in God, have our stuff together in Christ. Not that we come across perfect or holy, but that we come across unified and we come across loving. Amen. And so, um, which like we said, the gifts are, are always referenced to believers to believers. That is the first and foremost function or purpose of all the gifts is from believer to a believer to bring unity to the church. So we see that the broad purpose for all the gifts are to bring unity, show God's love, and then to us individually, the gifts help us reveal, help reveal our purpose and promote holiness in us. Now, let's look more at the specific uh, purposes. In Romans 12, 3 through 8, these gifts are meant to prove the will of God. Let's look at those real quick. Romans 12, and let's actually start in verse 1 on this, sort of gain some more context. Romans 12, verses 1, verse 1 is where we'll start. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that sort of gives the context what Paul is, is continuing on with this thought. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Members of who? One another. Dif having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So these right here are the gifts of God. These gifts are meant to prove the will of God. 
or in other words, as we function in them, our individual, the individual will of God will be seen and experienced in our own selves. Romans 12, like we said, Romans 12, 1 and 2 gives us this context that the gifts are listed in. They help us learn God's will by revealing to us our newborn or our divine nature inside of us. Our natural abilities within us when we are saved, in other words. The natural abilities of our saved spirit inside of us, if you will. Like we said before, before you knew Christ, you were dead. Your spirit was dead. It had no function. It had no life whatsoever. And then when you received Christ, faith came in, the Holy Spirit came in, and resurrected you. As Romans says, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you, has raised you to new life in Jesus Christ, has given you actual life inside of you. And now for the very first time in your entire life when you get saved, you start to actually learn who you are in Jesus Christ, who you are as a living being, in other words. Like we said, you've been dead. You've been dead up until the time that you called upon Jesus to be your Lord. You've, you and I have been dead. And so now we get to learn who our, what our true nature is, what our purpose is. And these gifts help us see this, help, to help us realize who we are in God. These gifts are manifested in our everyday lives. They are typically what we do on a daily basis. Let's put it like this. When you get saved, there should be a new desire for holy things, for God things, if you will. There will be things that when you get saved that you are more inclined to, whether it be worship, whether it be prayer, whether it be um, um, feeding the poor, whether it be um, doing um, art, whether it be um, preaching, whether it be teaching, whatever it looks like. Um, it, it doesn't matter. As long as it is God-centered, there will be this new desire in you to do something for the Lord. And so this this new desire that you have for the very first time to do something for God is um, simply your new nature trying to reveal itself. And that's where these gifts come into play, is that we start seeing what our new nature wants to do for God. Now, the 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 gifts, the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestations of the Spirit. These gifts are meant to build up the body of Christ. From an outward function, they work to build up the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, for the profit of all. All here being the church, for the profit of all. He's talking about all of the church. That is what the gifts do. These manifestations of the Spirit, these nine manifestations, they work to build up, to strengthen, to edify the church for the profit of all. Two chapters later, in the in the still the same context that Paul is writing in regards to the gifts of the Spirit, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. As the church is built up, the ministries are empowered. Your individual ministry, your individual supernatural desires inside of you are only empowered, are only capable to function to their fullest extent as the church is unified in their ministry, in their calling, in the individual members, and in the body of Christ as a whole. Your desires, your ministry is is, is bound, it is truly bound to the effectiveness of the whole church being unified. That puts a heavy weight on um, not necessarily being bound to the church, but having the realization of how important it is that your purpose and your calling 
or is tied to, is bound to the body of Christ, unifying and being strengthened. Let's put it like this. If you are called to one of the fivefold offices, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and their number one goal or their number one purpose, as we'll see in just a second, is to equip the church. If you do not see yourself being um, your gift and your calling being solely to affect the body of Christ, then who are you going to be talking to? If, if you as a pastor, if you do not realize that your, your call is bound to people, then you will start treating people the way that you want to treat them instead of the way that Christ wants them treated. And eventually, the sheep, shepherd will have no sheep to be speaking to or to be feeding or to be equipping. And so we have to realize that all the gifts, like we said, they function solely on the purpose of unifying the church in the love of Christ. If we do not realize this, then we will be able to, in our minds, we will see it easier to throw people to the side because my gift and my call is more important than the individual per person. But the truth of the matter is, is that you have no gift and you have no call without the individual per person. Amen. Like it said in 1 Corinthians 12 and over in Romans 12 as well, is that we are the body of Christ um, um, all together and we are members individually to one another. My gift and my call is tied to your gift and your call. Nobody is a sole worker or a sole member in the body of Christ. There is no such thing. It's like a hand um, in the Adams family. Remember when you had the little hand that walked around of its own? It was weird. It was scary. It was freaky. And that's how it looks like when somebody tries to be all that God wants people to be in their own selves. That's where pride comes in. That's where falls become so great is because people think that they can do everything for God by themselves. But until we recognize that we are tied to, that we are bound to the body of Christ, not for legalistic purposes, but for life purposes, you are an arm, you are an eyeball, you are a nose, as 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31 talks about. How can the eye say to the nose, I have no need of you? Or how can the foot say, um, say to the hand, I have no need of you? They live together. They have to function together. Your gift and your call has to function with the other gifts and the other callings. Just because you disagree with the way that they see things does not give you the right um, to uh, dismember from them. The view of the foot is going to be a whole lot different from the view of the hands, and it's going to be even more different from the view of the eyes. Amen. Does that, does that make sense? The, the way that the member, the body is, is formed is so that all parts of it can benefit and can honor and can respect each other and bring um, effectiveness to every single member. Amen. So the last, uh, the last gifts that we look at is Ephesians 4 verse 11 gifts. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. These gifts in verse 12 are specifically to equip the saints for ministry and to additionally edify the church. Verse 12 says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These gifts, as we talked about last time in defining the gifts, is that these gifts are specifically positions that express honor, meaning that they are not demanding honor, but they are actually revealing what honor looks like. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, that is their number one purpose in them, is to express honor. 
They are gifts that express honor. And by expressing that honor, they help the body of Christ fulfill her great commission. The great commission that Jesus spoke to the disciples was not just to those disciples, to those apostles. It was to the church that would be built upon the backs and the words and the demonstration of those apostles. And so the great commission has come on to every single one of us as well. And by um, honoring those positions that express honor, we are able to be equipped ourselves. And the entire church is able to be edified into the same like faith. It's important for us to honor all believers, but we must also learn to give honor where honor is due in regards to a fellow believer fulfilling their divine call. When we give honor to another believer fulfilling what they are supposed to do, it creates this culture of honor. It creates this desire, as Paul talked about in uh, 1 Corinthians um, 12, that we rejoice with those who um, are honored and we uh, suffer or we weep with those who are suffering. It's this unified collective atmosphere that we join in with each other. When one is honored, everyone is honored. In, uh, first, in Romans 12, verse 10, it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. And then in 13 verse 7, he says, render therefore to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. The, what's so neat with the Ephesians 4, the office gifts, is that they are gifts that express honor. And like we said before, these gifts never demand honor. But they practice the um, principle or the law of God of sowing and reaping in that they are the forefront of what honor looks like. And by them expressing honor, it causes this culture of honor to come back onto them. A, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, passion teacher who is truly operate in that anointing, in that call of God, will never have to ask people to honor them. That's just, that's just a true statement, is that if you are truly operating in that call and in that anointing, you will never have to demand anybody to honor you. First off, there should never be any demand for honor. But secondly, it's important to notice that they express honor. And when they sow honor, they shall reap honor. You yourself, in your personal life, if you want honor, sow honor. Amen? It's so simple. It's the way that God created things to be. In every section of the uh, above-mentioned scriptures, in the three categories of the giftings and callings, and their spe specific gifts, you will see the body of Christ mentioned as the receiver or the empowered, again, bringing the culmination of all the gifts and all the callings are for the betterment of the body of Christ. This right here reveals to us that none of the gifts work solo, but they do, in fact, work as a unit moving towards a similar goal. 1 Corinthians 12, and we've, we've mentioned this verse a couple of times already, but I want us to read it now. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 31. Listen and read these um, read these yourself very closely. Just meditate on them a little bit um, in regards to you trying to find your, your gift and your call. Because this right here is, is so paramount for... Um, not being led astray in your gift, not being led astray in your call, but staying in the forefront of what you're called to do. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. 
For in fact, the body is not one member, but many members. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he's pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? And now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. I would encourage you to highlight that word necessary. That is it is so amazing. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Amen. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. The unity of the gifts is the way that we are found to be unified with Christ. And, and one of the ways that you can sort of look at this is that if you ever want to get a broader um, uh, a broader picture or a broader idea or a greater relationship with Christ, then begin honoring other members in the body of Christ. Because every single person is going to have a revelation of Jesus Christ that you do not have. Let me say that again. Every single person in the body of Christ is going to have a revelation of Jesus Christ that you do not have. They are going to be able to reveal a part of Jesus that you are supposed to learn through them so that there can be a reliance or a um, interdependence upon the body of Christ to have a further relationship with Jesus. Amen. Now, of course, this does not negate the need for a personal relationship with Christ. I'm not saying that by any means, but I am saying that if you want a further and to have the true understanding of Jesus, then begin honoring those in the body of Christ and Jesus will be more revealed in and amongst you. So the gifts unite, they unite us as believers together, and they unite us to God together as, his, as the body of Christ. The Spirit of God works to reveal the inner workings of the people of God. As we'll see further on, the Spirit's gifts reveal our needs to the church. The Spirit's gifts reveal our needs to the church so that each member can respectively meet the need that we have. The gifts of the Spirit help reveal those hidden things, the hidden things that's within our hearts. And as a group, as a congregation, as a church, the Spirit of God will help reveal the hidden things in and amongst us so that we collectively can respond to that need and um, bring solution to it through the help of the Holy Spirit. The gifts also pull upon the divine nature within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27, Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
And as we are revealed, not embarrassed, as the Spirit reveals us, not our embarrassments, He reveals them to the church. The church is able to rejoice with us, or they are able to cry with us. When one suffers, all suffers. When one is honored, all are honored. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. I want us to look back at that verse one more time. And it just reads the same thing. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You can tell when a gift or a call is being used for one's own selfish gain. You can realize it by these four typical or these three typical things right here that disunity will happen, their ability will be highlighted, their personal ability will be highlighted, and there will be separation due to their quote unquote anointing. They will be taking the extreme side of, of the Bible, talking about honor and, uh, towards leaders and in leaders, and try to say that they have to be separate so that they don't become, quote-unquote, familiar to the church and become um, less honorable. That right there is just a false teaching that has taken a wrong turn, a very extremely wrong turn, um, because it is when we are bound together that we are stronger together, even those that are called into the fivefold office gifts. These uh, parts, these three things right here that show a selfish nature to a gift and a calling, these are simply the complete opposite of the nature of the Spirit of God who brings unity, who brings love, and who brings honor to each member of the body of Christ. So I hope this week has um, really, really sort of stretched your idea of what gifts and callings look like and what they do. Is so it's so vital. I pray that if there's one thing that you can take away from from today's purpose of the gifts, is that your purpose will be found in the church. Amen. Your purpose will be found in the idea or the um, the reality of family in the church. When we join together, it is so beautiful. It's so amazing, and your gifts and your callings will begin to be pulled upon you, not as an individual, but as a, an individual member in the body of Christ. Your call and your gift will not be revealed or not be um, seen or manifested as a singular person outside of the church. It's impossible. It is not, it is, it is, um, the best way to put it is it is a freak of nature if, if your gift and your call manifests outside of the reality of the church of Jesus Christ, of the unity of the brethren, of um, the honor of each other in the body of Christ. It is so vital to realize that, so, so vital, I cannot harp on that enough, that it is so important for us to have such unity in the church that all of our gifts and all of our callings are manifested in and amongst the body of Christ for the sole purpose of unifying and the love of God being manifested more in us and amongst us. Be sure to follow up next week as well as we continue on with um, with these gifts, callings, and anointings where we'll be talking about receiving the gifts and um, how you receive each one of the categories of gifts as well. I pray that you have a blessed week. Be encouraged. Be um, be encouraged to find your gift and find your call and to operate in your anointing. And always remember that you do have a God-ordained purpose. You have a God-ordained gift, a God-designed purpose for you as a child of God and in Jesus Christ. And as always here from Powerfully Loved, we always want you to know that God does powerfully love you.